Welcome to Simple Truth Love, a place where we talk about self-leadership, self-care, and self-love. With the hope that our self-help conversations might inspire you to look at fundamental well-being practices. Here, we'll dissect powerful words and explore how those words can enable or disable us from being our best selves. And contemplate things together that make us be the best we can be. I'm Cindy Bradshaw, and what brings me the most joy in life is following my heart. Ooh, I'm Rochelle Doyle, and I find joy in practicing joy. Nice. Yeah, thanks. So the definition of joy, uh, there's a couple of them, but it is listed in Merriam-Webster as the emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. It also is listed as the expression or exhibition of such emotion as gaiety. Nice. So, Cindy, why is joy important to you? Well, joy is important to me because I think it's about finding those little moments that is what life is really about, those little moments that make you feel really alive. And I think we're much better off as people if we can find them because studies prove that people who have more joy in their life are much more healthier, both physically and mentally. Mm -hmm. What do you think? I think you're completely right. When we look at sort of positive psychology as this emerging trend, I think it's fascinating that as a history, we've seemed obsessed with studying humans' difficulty. And now we're looking at really the benefits of feeling more joy. And it includes healthier lifestyles, a better immune system, fighting stress and pain a little bit more, facing situations with longevity. It's important to mention too that Our brain is wired to notice bad experiences and it's a defense mechanism. It's the amygdala working, but we need to train our brain, which is why it's really important to talk about joy because we have to be able to focus on looking for good and to practice having a joyful life. Absolutely. So Rochelle, when are you your most joyful self? It goes back to that practice, long-term game. For me, if I'm organized, and I say this as there's papers everywhere around me right now, (laughs) if I'm organized, if I'm exercising, if I haven't had a brick of cheese for dinner because I actually take the time to cook my veggies, then I'm able to respond to people more thoughtfully. And even in moments of duress, I can assume a little bit more positive intent in the person in front of me or... I can let my brain, that fire, that fight or flight, relax a little bit and speak from a place of peace and content. Sounds lovely. What about you? I'd say when I'm really like in the flow of life, when I'm like not fighting against something or trying to manipulate something in my life, I'm just accepting of what is in my life at the moment. And that helps me to really see more joyful moments in my life. So I I think it's, it's in a sense, like the letting go of all the judgments and things that are getting in your head that you're crazy about. It's just falling into life and being in flow with it. Mm -hmm. I feel like acceptance is a huge component, Mm -hmm. a huge piece of trying to build a joyful life. 
on an opposite thread. Do you think that suffering is a component of joy? I definitely think so. I think that suffering is like a way of getting your attention. It's a time when things are really hard that you have to really search for that joy and you're forced to search for it. So I do think you need suffering to understand joy. My dear friend, Johanna, had in 2014, she passed away with a very short battle of cancer. She was such a vibrant, healthy individual. If you asked me like, who was my healthiest friend, I would have named her just like athletic and always ate right. And she was like a complete badass all the time. So to see her going through cancer was Mm -hmm. just, it was shocking to me at first because I felt like no way can this be possible. She's going through this. And at the same time, I had the pleasure of being with her and seeing her find like joy in her kids walking in the room, finding joy in a beautiful sunset outside. She just completely slowed down and was in the moment and she was in a ton of pain, but we had like such wonderful conversations about life at that moment. And she actually had a little hummingbird and a hummingbird nest that was right by her window that happened at that time. And it's like hummingbirds are a symbol of joy and resilience and being able to find the joy within. So just experiencing that, like I'd love to dedicate this podcast to Johanna Trueblood. She was just a wonderful person that really showed me through that moment, like what joy is really all about. So do you now in moments of ick, are you able to recall her and think about her and help push through situations? Absolutely. And I can't tell you how many times I've had a difficult situation when a hummingbird flies by. (laughs) I'm not kidding at all. And I think Johanna's trying to tell me something, but just seeing her journey and being a part of her journey, Mm -hmm. really, she gave me such a gift in that I can really see those little moments of joy. And she went through so much. And when I'm going through something, I look at it like, Hey, this is part of the journey. And where's the joy in this? Because she taught me that it was pretty special. You've hit the nail on the head when you were talking about the hummingbird. You also have the opportunity now to look for moments where there's something bigger in the world that's happening. And whether or not, it's so funny because I saw this meme that made me laugh because it's totally me and it's totally you, but it was a butterfly trying to live its life. And and he was like, I'm not your grandmother. I'm just a butterfly. Leave me alone. (laughs) (laughs) But it is, though. It is, to me, this moment is a moment of reflection and internal joy where I can take a pause and remember somebody who was really impactful for my life. And the suffering, I think the Book of Joy talks about how suffering is inevitable. And they have a couple of different strategies that I really liked. They interweave throughout the book. And one of the things that they talk about is suffering creates opportunities to look at the good in your life and recognize that it isn't all suffering and it isn't all joy, but you can really appreciate when you have that joy. You have to see the bad to see the good. It's that analogy. Another thing that they talk about is 
you've mentioned this in suffering, you have to have acceptance. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important to talk about how acceptance isn't just letting things happen to you, but understanding that they are happening and then you can operate from there. I am accepting of the fact that there is systemic racism in the world, Mm -hmm. right? Like I'm not going to deny that exists, but it doesn't mean that I'm okay and I'm just going to let it happen. It means that I am now in a position of understanding and I can make more conscious decisions from there. Mm -hmm. Another thing that I think really weaves suffering and joy is this opportunity to turn away from yourself when you help others, when you focus on others, you're able to feel better. It just feels better to not be in your own ick and to help work on somebody else's life that you can assist. So whether or not I'm upset because my, oh gosh, let's talk about what's happened recently. Oh no. (laughs) Speaking of joy in my life, I was gone the entire day. I left my house at eight o'clock in the morning and I came home for 10 minutes. And the 10 minutes that I came home to use the restroom had no other reason to be there other than just really being super lucky. Came home for 10 minutes and decided to peek in my backyard and saw that it was on fire. And because it was on fire and I, I was home for that 10 minutes, I was able to grab a hose and keep it at bay while I called 911 and the fire department came. My entire backyard is now burned down. How scary. It was terrifying. The bees are okay. Thank goodness. But the house didn't catch on fire. And the house didn't catch on fire because of that 10 minutes Wow! that I was home and I decided to use the bathroom. If I had not, you couldn't see because our neighborhood is so beautiful and full of trees. You couldn't see from any of the neighboring houses that there was this huge fire. And oh man, talk about joy. I'm so grateful at the end of that, that I still have a home, that I still have everything that I have. And in thinking about how the fire ended up starting, it was a mentally ill person that was wandering through the neighborhood. And clearly my backyard does not have high security, they were able to get into the backyard and they started a fire. And that person in Sacramento right now due to the pandemic and of course, everything else going on, doesn't have access to a home, doesn't have access to Mm -hmm. mental health care, doesn't have access to rehabilitation, the laundry list of things that this person needs. What suffering do they have in their life that put them in a position that the best opportunity they had was to go into my backyard and start a fire. Wow. It sounds like that's an example of through that suffering, you found a lot of things to be joyous and grateful for. I was so grateful that my house wasn't burned down because there was that moment where I saw it all gone. It was so close to the house, so high that I thought, okay, it's done. And I have to release myself from this feeling and I have to let go. And not losing the house, the gratitude that I have now, it's just some, I bet. It's just some patio furniture and a fence and this and that and the other. And being able to focus on that, I think, helps. Absolutely. Rochelle, what do you think the difference between joy and happiness is? I think happiness to me is fleeting. Joy is about internal peace and 
contentment and is a long-term way of being. Mm -hmm. Happiness is very situational. So I'm happy with a raise that I might've gotten. I'm happy with my choice at the restaurant of dinner that I chose. I'm happy that I had a chance to get together with my friend. Mm -hmm. I don't think that you can expect to not be because the opposite of happy is sad. And I think that you're going to be sad, but you can still have a joyful life. Definitely. How about for you? I definitely think joy is internal. I think that's the distinction really is that joy is about being at peace with who you are and where you are in your life. And happiness is more external and it's brought by external experiences. I can be really happy when I see my daughter, but she's not always with me every day, but I still carry her in my heart and feel her joy within my heart. So that is the distinction for me. You can never count on external experiences to happen. I think that's so true. It's a good point. The internal versus the external. I feel like I had a lesson in looking for moments from this blue jay. So outside of my kitchen window Mm -hmm. is the fence that is completely now gone. And every morning a blue jay came, (laughs) every morning a blue jay would come and sit on top of the fence and for good or for bad, because blue jays have a very annoying squawk. It's not one of those melody bird chimes that sounds beautiful. It's more of a (laughs) beautiful bird. And I would look at him every morning as I got coffee or did the dishes or whatever. And he would come and say hi. And it was this fun moment with me and the bird. And two days after the fire, there was a piece of fence that was just hanging on by a hope and a prayer that was (laughs) totally blackened and burnt. And the bird came and tried to stand on it and was looking around like, look what you did to the place. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not happy, but I'm still here. And it, it just cracked me up that he came. And then the next day they came and they removed all the pieces of the fence. And I was thinking about my poor friend. And the next day after that, he came and a little bit lower than the fence was where the barbecue pit is. He just sat up on top of the barbecue pit and perched and looked around and was like, all right, this is where I am now. And I'm going to be proud. And I'm going to go from here. And it was this metaphor of like, go ahead, little bird. You're determined to perch and look upon the entire neighborhood and you're going to do it no matter what, whether it's burnt or not. Right. Oh my gosh. All right. If you decided joy was going to be a priority in your life, what changes might you make in the upcoming year? We talk about this pretty much on every podcast, but it's so essential is meditating and looking internally for those answers and what really brings me joy. Mm -hmm. The only way to do that is to go internal. So I love yoga nidra is really instrumental for me in that. Also spending more time in gratitude by journaling like five things that you're grateful for every day. Being in gratitude really helps me to bring more of that joy in my life. Trying to be in flow and accepting myself and being less in a place of having to fix myself, focusing on me 
more on me and less on others, like with social media and things that take us off that self-care path. Yeah. What about you? It's interesting that you say focusing on me because one of the things that I struggle with that they talk about in the book of joy is that in order to feel joy, you have to turn away from you and stop focusing on you. Essentially, one of the things that they recommend is looking at the amount of I statements that you have Mm -hmm. in your daily life. And if you're starting from an I place, it's this egocentric place where you're not focusing on the people around you. If you think of nurses and doctors during the pandemic, like they're just working so hard to keep everyone healthy. But if they're not keeping themselves healthy, they're not going to be any good for the patients that they're caring for. So I really think that you have to look at that. Of course, I do agree with you that when you give of yourself to other, when you give yourself to other people, it brings you internal joy. So Mm -hmm. focusing on others brings that joy. Getting back to my friend, Johanna, that I was talking about earlier, when she was diagnosed, I just, like I said, I was in such shock because I just thought this cannot be happening to her of all people. What can I do to make her life better right now? And her and I always loved quotes. We always talked about quotes quotes together. And it was something we were both really passionate about. So I would every morning send her a new quote. And I would seriously meditate the night before on what do I think Johanna needs tomorrow? And then I would get up and I would Google quotes. And then I sent her a quote every single morning that she woke up until actually the day she passed away. Mm -hmm. And that gesture brought so much joy to me, not only to her, I was doing something for her, but it brought so much joy to me that when she passed away, I felt this void of not doing the quotes every day. I wanted to keep giving of those quotes because it brought me so much joy. So I think it's a combination of the two. Yeah. And you're reminding me too of an experience that I think we both shared when there was a parent who was diagnosed with cancer and she would watch her children Every day on the benches at school, as she got thinner with her cap, you would see her just soaking in these last moments. And it was so hard to watch because everyone around knew what the end situation was. And when she passed, the school had this father and these two children that were broken. And it was devastating to watch and to feel helpless and that you can't do anything to help that family except for the food train. And that was one of the neatest things to be a part of because if I can do anything to alleviate your suffering in any way, then please let me do this thing. And it is, there's a balance of it's some for me and some for this family, right? Like my heart needs to feel like I'm contributing in some way too. Those are the moments that bring you joy is that you could do something to ease someone's suffering. So yes, it's both internal and external, but it has to, I think to be genuine, it has to come from a place internally Mm -hmm. that you feel like this is the gesture that's going to help you help that person. So it's not performative and just 
something to check off. A, a, or What do you think about performative joy? Do you think that exists? I think... Like trying to please somebody else for the sake of looking good. But then I don't know that really brings you joy. It doesn't, right? It doesn't. I think that when you do that, it's more for like smoke and mirrors performance Mm -hmm. than anything else. And I think internally that person doing that behavior feels I've done it myself and I've been like, I don't feel that great about what I just did. Mm -hmm. But this situation was when I sent her the quotes, it was purely like the thing that I came up with in my mind that could bring her some joy. And by bringing her some joy, it really brought me some joy. It was personal. It was personal and it came internally, not externally. And I would say that the doing things for the way it looks is external. Yes. Going to help somebody homeless and then taking a selfie with them and posting it on Instagram. Exactly. It's not giving you the scientific joy that you think it is because what you're trying to get is actually what the dopamine or whatever from the Instagram likes. And that's short lived. Absolutely. What about you, Rochelle? What, if joy's your priority, what changes are you going to make this coming year? You've already said it. It's meditation. (laughs) It's brain training. It's habit building. Something that I find incredibly useful is the self-care wheel. I just, you will hear me talk about my self-care wheel. I'll include the link, but there's a self-care wheel and it's just about a life balance. And there's pieces of pie for physical health, psychological health, professional, personal, spiritual, emotional, where I like to just look at it and take stock in how I feel each area is being fulfilled. And if anything is seriously lacking, then I try to work on that a little bit to help me feel balanced. So Rochelle, what are traits and skills necessary to build joy in your own life? Ooh, one for me is humor, laughing <laughs> and just not taking everything so seriously. Um, cracking up at the Blue Jay in the middle of a completely burnt backyard. <laughs> and also laughing at yourself, realizing that we're all silly human beings, right? We're all just here trying to figure out our shit. And... The second thing, it's not really a trait or a skill, but it's the people around you. Mm -hmm. I make sure that I'm not, my inner critic is nasty enough sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I don't need people around me that are going to try and drag me down. Good point. I like to have a good crew of people that speak light and love into my life. How about for you? I think it's definitely practicing self-care and self-love, just like you said, if I'm not able to do this, I'm not going to be looking for the joy. And if joy is internal, then nothing will help better than me putting myself first. And again, it doesn't mean that I'm not giving towards other people or caring for humanity and other people, because I think that is, that's intrinsic, right? Caring for humanity. It makes you feel better inside because it's like what we're supposed to do Mm -hmm. as human beings. So Mm -hmm. I think, so I say it in, in that way. And I think if I can accomplish that, then I can really quiet my heart and find the peace Mm. that brings me joy. So as this experience is wrapping up and we're talking about joy, what are the takeaways? What are you going to do about it? 
So what I'm going to do about it, I did this a while back. This is an interesting story. When Johanna passed away and I felt this void of sending these quotes, I thought maybe I should post on Instagram every day something that brings me joy. So I would take a walk and see a cute little bluebird and take a picture and I created a joy journal. And it was one picture every day for 365 days. It was just something I said, I'm going to do this for a year. And I started on January 1st and did it. I didn't care if anyone looked. It wasn't about, did I have the best picture or don't I have an exciting life? It was really so I could look back when I was feeling down at things that brought me joy. And it was just such a wonderful experience. And the thought in my mind was, at 365 days, I'm deleting this all and it's going away into the ethers and never to be seen again. But what happened was my kids were just starting to go off to college and a lot of my good friends are in that same place. And the kids started saying to me, what happened to the joy journal? I missed it. And my son was away at college and he said, mom, I look forward to seeing every day something that brings you joy. So it was just this realization, oh my goodness, this made them joyful as well. Then I said, my son said, I want to see the joy journal again. So I created a joy journal for him for another year. And then my daughter went away to college and then I felt like I needed to give her that as well. I definitely encourage people to try the joy journal. It's just been a really wonderful experience for me. I picked it up from you and I absolutely love it. I am admittedly terrible at the consistency part of it, but every time I do it, (laughs) I, I feel good about it. And it is really fun to look back at an obscure picture of a stick that only I get. And it's not for the, it's got two likes <laughs> because nobody understands what it means, but it reminds me of that retreat that we took absolutely, and the lake that we were sitting over. So it's for me and is creating internal joy. And I think social media, there needs to be more of that. Mm-hmm. Social media needs to be more about creating joyful experiences and things that do not have to be like, look at me, but something that enriches you when you mm-hmm. see it. Something else is just having kindness towards myself and just being really kind, I think is super important. Being patient like this too shall pass when things are hard to just try to find that joy in it and know that suffering isn't going to last forever in the same way that it might feel at this moment. Mm -hmm. Being present. And then the last thing that I put is just putting on my oxygen mask first analogy. Help others, but take care of myself first so that I can be completely present. Mm -hmm. What about you? I really relish in the rituals that help to create joy for me, kind of boots on the ground. A, my sleep cycle is atrocious. I need to just sleep. I need to sleep. I need to stop TikToking at two o'clock in the morning and sleep. So that's one base level. And I want to take walks in nature. Let's try for once a week, a little bit more. Nice. I think one thing that I already do is I'm really conscious of my posse of the people that I have in my life and the people who aren't lifting me up, they got to go. Another ritual that I have that just, it's that inner peace that it builds in my life. I have plants that are cuttings from my grandmother, from my mother, from my great aunts that I water 
And when I water them, I water the same plant that they were watering. And it provides me with this bridge to the community that I have in my life that's no longer here. And I really enjoy taking that moment. So just looking for rituals to build that give me peace. That's beautiful. Yeah. So I'm going to leave you with this quote. I love a quote. Okay. It is from the very wonderful Archbishop Desmond Tutu. It was our favorite, who is what the Book of Joy is about, his journey with the Dalai Lama. Mm -hmm. We are meant to live in joy. This does not mean that life will be easy and painless. It means that we can turn our faces to the wind and accept that this is the storm we must pass through. That's beautiful. I love it. Thanks for sharing. 